This is MFG Cast. Hey guys, Kurt here. Um, I'm by myself, solo mio. Why is that? Because I'm going to be spotlighting a Kickstarter for a solo game. It is called Sansa Lee's by Jeffrey Greer and Pasco Games. It's a solo game, so I'm going to be here to talk about that. The Kickstarter starts March 16th, which is as of this recording, and just before I put it out, it's going to be just launching. So we just wanted to get you excited about that. But before we talk about Sansa Lee's, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to BattleBards. BattleBards is premium fantasy audio that takes your RPG, your board gaming, and anything else you want to use with this awesome fantasy audio to the next level. Um, But not only are we talking about how wonderful BattleBards audio is, but we'd like to also get you some some free tracks just for signing up and buying this wonderful audio. So um, if you use the code MFGCAST1, with your ten and twenty-five dollar package, you get one total. You get one free track, which is score of Dwarf Temple: The Soul Forging, which is great. We've used that in some of our stuff here. Um, also, if you use the code MFGCast2 for the fifty and hundred dollar packages, you get five total tracks, which includes the free track from the ten and twenty-five dollar package and it also includes the monsterscape i monster combat behold extermination the soundscape dungeon dungeon of loss inhabited the mpc script armor smith steel and silk and the sound effect short bow arrow barrage which is great so that's a half a half of an album for free for using mfg cast 2 and finally if you use mfg cast 3 for the 150 dollar and 300 dollar packages you get 10 total tracks which is one full album and it includes the bonuses from the 50 and 100 dollar packages but you also get the music dark elf city mordengur you also get the sound effect magic missile spell you also get monsterscape common giant torture hill giant entertaining at home also you get racial language orcish orc brute lashes out and finally the soundscape castle ruins ruins of the black castle at night so people you're getting not only are you getting awesome premium audio from BattleBards, but with these coupons, you get some free tracks as well. So you're going to have a nice library. So you can take those tracks and you can link them. You can sync them. You can do what you want with them. You can scare the crap out of your cat. You can take that lackluster Pathfinder game that you've been really trying to you know, get people more excited about it, and you use this audio, and you really get people excited about it. You can also use it for board gaming. You know, say you're playing playing one of the Dungeons and Dragons board games, you want to just add a little bit of ambiance to it. Just take some of this music, add an eerie background, and it makes that just that much more exciting. One of the reasons why we talk about this every month, and you know, some people that have listened to this podcast probably on a consistent basis are probably sick of it. But there's some really great people that work behind the scenes of Battlebards, and we really want them to succeed. And we really want you to get the great fantasy audio from them, okay? So Alex 
and Ken and everybody else at the BattleBards crew, they work tirelessly a ton of hours just to get you that fantasy audio that not only that they love because it's a passion of theirs, but it's something that they think that you deserve, and we think you deserve it too. So go to BattleBards.com, sign up for those packages, use our use our codes, and get your motherfucking game on. Okay, so this month I am here to talk to you about Sans Ali's. Jeffrey Greer, who came up with this game, he thought that he wanted to do something that's kind of like an interesting flip on solitaire, but I think it's a little more complex than that. It, you know, it's, of course, it's a solitary game, so that's kind of what you would think of, and you're, even though you're working against the enemy in this game, you're you're still working solo, but there's a lot more of complexity to it. So basically what this game is, is it's a war-themed solitaire card game in which you, the player, take on the role of a military force trying to invade an enemy nation and capture its capital before leaders complete their development of an ultimate weapon. So basically what you're doing is you're laying out 36 region cards. And these region cards go start anywhere from there's um, 36 regions, okay? Starting with the enemy capital at, at the top, and then going down, making the increments more and more as you go down. So you start with one at the top, then you go two, three, four, five, six, seven, and lastly, eight cards at the bottom, okay? And then every region basically has icons for forces that you put out to defeat those regions to get to the enemy capital before they build the ultimate weapon. Basically what you do is when you're fighting these, starting with the bottom and going to the top, each has a number for you to beat to beat those to beat the forces to um, take over that one region. Okay, so the regions that they have are valleys, mountains, barren wastelands, and seas. So as you attempt to beat these different regions, you have to have the forces that match the icons that are on these resource are on these regions to take out the regions. Okay. So for instance, I mean, this is a resource resource center to defeat a valley. You'd basically need at least one personnel, you'd need one vehicle, and you'd need one aircraft. Every different force that they have, they have personnel, which is ground forces. They've got ships, which is sea forces, of course, aircraft, air forces, and vehicles, which are land vehicles. So basically what you're doing is you have to have enough of those cards that have a certain value to beat those different regions. So for instance, the vehicles have a value of three, the aircraft have a value of three, the ships have a value of five, and then the personnel start with a value of one, but if you beat a certain region, it upgrades to the next number up to four, and then so that makes the personnel number go up so it's a little easier for you to defeat the next region if you decide to continue on. But it's only temporary for the personnel, so say, you know, so say you beat a region and you want to go back and you want to, you know, defeat another region. You can if you have enough, if you have enough of the forces that you need to beat that, and you have to have only those cards to defeat those regions. So if you don't have those cards, you can't go after those. You can't go after those regions. So make sure you remember that. But once once you're done fighting and you have to go to the end step, you have to turn down your personnel back to one. So that's only temporary. So it goes up to four. This game is is interesting. It's there's a lot of different aspects to it. But not only not only do you beat those certain regions, but after the region after the after it's over, 
there's a couple of different things that can happen, okay, Defend, depending upon what you have. Like there is a resource center which actually helps you out. So if you actually capture this resource center, get to put this in front of you or to off to the side, and depending upon how many resource centers you have, there's five of them, um, you get an extra card per um, resource center you have. You actually start with three cards, and then you go up from how many resource centers you have actually captured. But to beat the different regions, you have to make sure that you have the number to beat. So, for instance, the, the lowest rung, they call it the enemy nation, which is, you know, the different levels. So the first, the first enemy nation is at a, at a number of six. So basically you have to have enough to either meet or exceed six for you to fight. So how do you do that? So basically what you do is you take your, you take your forces, you set them off to the side, and then you roll two dice. Okay? And depending upon... What number you get is um, what the result is, okay? So if you roll a two, you actually lose, well, usually what happens is, depending upon what happens, is you can either lose or you can retain, which means keep, some of your forces that you've used in your um, fighting, okay? So if you roll a two, you'd actually lose three additional eligible units with what you have already put out and retreat. So by retreating, what mean what that means is you take the top card of the region of the discard pile and lay it on one of the corners that you are attempting to evade, um, there thereby uh, obscuring its its exposure. So basically, what happens is uh, one other thing that you have to do is when you're invading these different regions, you have to make sure that on the bottom of the card on both corners of the card of the region that you're going to try to fight against, you have to make sure that no other cards are on either corner of it on the bottom, otherwise you can't invade, okay? So it has to be open basically for you to invade. So if you you know, roll a two, then you have to lose not only the cards that you use, but you have to lose three additional units, that's just cards basically, and retreat, you've already failed. If you roll a three, you lose two additional units or retreat. For four and five, you lose one additional eligible unit and retreat. If you roll a six, seven, or eight, you only lose the force that you used to fight. Um, if you roll a nine or a 10, you regain one unit. So that means out of all the cards that you use, you actually get to keep one. If you roll an 11, you get to keep up to two. And then if you roll a 12, you roll you get to keep up to three, okay? So so basically, you're just you just keep kind of working your way up to get to the enemy capital. Also, when you uh, when you capture this resource center, it g gives you an extra card, but it also gives you a temporary upgrade, okay? And the upgrades are like this. It says for, uh, for each of the first four resource center centers you capture, you can upgrade one unit type of your choice. Simply flip, flip the unit type chit over to its upgraded face. This side indicates the now increased strength value of its each unit that the reserve uh, in that reserve column except for the personnel which is your ground forces or your 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 um, soldiers basically so basically you've got these these little chits that show you how much your cards are worth like I told you before like your vehicles are worth three your aircraft is three your ships are five and your personnel is one but if you do the um, if you do the upgrades, those are actually flipped over and you can use, they're actually apart for the rest of the game. They're, it says a new tactical option that is thereafter available to you for the remainder of the game. 
Each unit type offers a different tactical option as a part of its upgrade, all of which are described. Okay, so I'm going to describe these for you. So you have the scouts, which is your personnel upgrade, which is your soldiers. After you're upgrading your personnel, you're eligible for one scout action, which allows you to exchange any sufficiently exposed region of the enemy nation with whatever happens to be on top of the region cards. There are two exceptions. You can't use the region as a replacement and you can't replace the enemy capital at all, which makes sense because that's what you're trying to defeat. You may not conduct a second scout action in the game, okay? So that's for the personal upgrades. Another thing is you have light craft vehicle upgrades. Any vehicle cards in your vehicle reserve column may be treated at its face value, a strength five vehicles card, or as a strength one aircraft or strength one ships card. In this way, the vehicle cards can sometimes serve as part of an invasionary force, which is your the force that's attacking, or satisfy additional losses when the aircraft or ships would normally be required. So basically it, it it helps you get rid of get rid of cards more easily so you're not um, losing too much okay another thing you can upgrade is uh, your ship upgrade is a convoy at the start of the turn before you would normally draw cards from the production deck you can voluntarily discard ship cards from your ship reserve in exchange for one free card from the production deck so that means you can exchange for something that you need okay and then lastly, there's a heavy bomber, which is your aircraft upgrade. After resolving the invasions, but before making the enemy research check at the end of the turn, which I'll get to in a second, you can voluntarily discard one or more of your aircraft cards from your aircraft reserve, which is the ones you haven't used yet, in an attempt to uh, cause a setback for the enemy. So basically, a setback for the enemy, each turn you have to roll for enemy research, basically, okay? So when you're doing the enemy research, depending upon that has a little vial on wherever your chit is set for what their research level is, it goes from a three and it goes up to five. So basically you take one D6, you roll it. If you meet or exceed it, the chit doesn't move up. But if it does, it moves up to the next level until where it goes to the top where the enemy capital is. If it moves past the enemy capital, that's when they build their ultimate weapon and you lose. What you need to do is you need to make sure that you each time don't roll that, you roll really good so that re research level doesn't go up for them. Because basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to take them over, they're trying to take you over. They use the ultimate weapon, basically. You have an ultimate weapon too, which I'll describe here in a little bit, but you don't want to you know have them get up too much of a level, otherwise it gets too far. But using a setback, basically what happens is, is you're kind of, you're basically kind of throwing a, a clinker in their winker basically and they they're not able to do the research that they want to do to move up the levels if you do that and lastly is the ultimate weapon now if you capture all five resource centers when you capture the fifth one you've achieved the ultimate weapon upgrade for your own nation you're eligible to add ultimate weapon cards to your reserve area which i think there are two so you don't have to discard them if you get an ultimate weapon card during your during your draw phase, you can't use them until you have the five resource centers to achieve that ultimate weapon, okay? An ultimate weapon card is playable during invasions and can perform one of two actions. Remove a target region. So what happens is from the enemy nation, no matter where you're at, you can simply remove it from play. 
It may only be used to remove any sufficient exposed region card in any row of the enemy nation, regardless of its defense level, except a C region and the enemy capital. Personnel do not gain the temporary strength increase for that successful invasion when you use that ultimate weapon. Or you can use it to cause a setback just as when a resource is captured. You may keep an ultimate weapon in your reserve area for as long as you like until you're ready to use it. Once you use it, you must remove it from play and it's not returned to the discarded draw pile. So basically it's taken away from the game. And then end of game basically happens is if you take over the enemy capital or if they bring their research level up above the enemy capital level where they make their ultimate weapon and destroy you, basically. It's a fun little solo game. I mean, it really, in the describing of it, I'm sure when you're listening to this, it may seem a little more complex than it really is. And at first, been pretty well documented that I'm, it's sometimes when you get too much of wording into it, I get kind of lost in it because I'm a dum-dum. But this game is actually super simple to do. Basically, you're just, you have the regions, it has the icons printed on the cards. It's, you know, they're really good. It's really self-explanatory. All you have to do is just be a good roller. You have to roll a good amount. I mean, there's there's more to it, too. It's not just that. But, I mean, if you're terrible at rolling like me, you're not going to win. I haven't won this game at all, but it's still super fun to play. I have not been disappointed by it at all. It's kind of hard to move up in the ranks because... You have to have the certain amount of cards to a certain number of cards and the certain amount to get to that level. So it's, sometimes it's really hard to get to that spot. But, I mean, just like war, war is hard, so, you know, it shouldn't be easy. So, you know, doing that, it's daunting. It really is. But it's still very entertaining. If you have an imagination of it, you almost can put, you know, things in or, you know into your own uh, head about like a you know a story of like oh my you know my vehicles have been shot down or you know my aircraft's been shot down or my vehicles have been destroyed you know and and it's really interesting because you know when you're rolling at the bottom level you're only trying to beat a six but it goes up in pretty big increments it goes like 10 14 i'm forgetting some of the numbers but like 22 and like the biggest is 36 so beating a 36 with all of the forces that you have is is tough it really is so you really have to be careful. Um, another thing that kind of adds a little spice into it too is is in your pile you have enemy breakthroughs too, which will bring up their research up one if it's if it's at a level three. And so I think it's at a level three for like three enemy nations. So that's three rows basically. So you know those enemy breakthroughs really kind of throw it into it too. So not only are you you know you're tr- racing against the clock with you know with your own rolling cuz you may roll terrible but you also have these enemy breakthroughs that will pop pop it up so but i mean it's really fun um i talked to jeffrey he said that the game uh is going to be go for a retail of $20 with free shipping in the US which i think is pretty amazing for for a nice little fun solo game as it is so that's pretty cheap i think but and it's funny too because I got a print. He sent me a print and play, which was great of him to do. And I usually don't like keeping print and plays because a lot of times it just doesn't look good and it doesn't last very well and stuff like that. But he printed it out very nice, pretty self-explanatory, and it's something I will keep and I'll play again just as a little, little fun little thing. It uh, is for ages 13 and up, and it plays for about an hour. You know, when you're learning it, it'll take you a little bit longer, so it may, you know, be a little. Uh, more to get used to but I mean it's 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 again once you get into it and once you figure it out it's really simple I 
think I want to teach my five and a half year old son this game because I don't have to tell him everything about it, but also I think I can help have him play it and we can kind of role play it out a little bit. So I think that would be cute and I think we have he would have a fun time with it. So it's got a lot of strategy to it, even though it doesn't seem like it would because you have to have the right cards. You have to roll the right stuff. You If you get research centers, it could you know really help you out. If you get that ultimate weapon, which I've never gotten and I wish I would, that would you know significantly help you out. They have two basically rule sets. They've got the Limited War, which I've told you about, and they also have the Total War. If that's something you're really interested in, go to uh, pasco.net for the Total War complete rules. I haven't talked to you about that yet just because I haven't gotten to that level yet. Um, I want to get a lot more playthroughs with this before I get to that Total War because, you know what, I feel like I feel like I'm the peon. I feel like I'm the the private in this situation where I'm just not as good of a soldier as I would be. So I wouldn't want to go right to Total War because I'd die. <laughs> so if you want to check out those rules, go to pasco.net for that. And uh, it's, it adds a little thing, a couple of things. It adds commanders to it. It adds POWs to it. It adds seasons to it. So that really adds a little more spice to it. So if I were to grade it on the our un, uh, patented, unpatented D8 scoring system, which 8 is the best and 1 is the worst, I'd probably rate it about a 6, actually. I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. I'm not as much into war games and stuff like that as, I, as, you know, as other people are and stuff like that, but granted, it's theme aside, it's actually a really fun game, and it's got a, a lot of strategy and a small one-player quick little game. So, so yeah. So go out there and on March 16th, help Jeffrey Greer and Pasco Gaming and Geekery. Help them fund this awesome game. And uh, let's get some more let's get some more solo games out there. I mean, I have not played enough solo games. You know, this is a good little fun little filler. You know, if you're just waiting for, if you're waiting to get on an airplane or if you're, you know, doing something before a friend's friend comes over, you know, this is a fun little time suck and it'll be worth your time. So... Please go out there, help them fund it, and if you have any questions or comments, let Jeffrey Greer know. All right. Thanks, guys, uh, for joining me for this Kickstarter spotlight on Sans Ali's, and we will see you next time. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.